Welcome to Equivalence by Evelist, a mission-based initiative offering an unbiased source of info to people who aspire to make informed decisions and grow their career in companies who care about gender equity. I am Sophie Luray, and in this podcast, I want to open a dialogue about the notion of equivalence and how it looks like in everyday personal actions and corporate decisions. I invite change agents, men and women who are making it happen in their team, industry, and communities to talk about their journey, their practical tips, their moments of doubt and epiphanies. I hope you enjoy it and tell us what you want to hear about at hello at evelist.org. Welcome to the Equivalence Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Ruth Saunders, the founder of OnPoint, a consultancy helping businesses with their growth strategies. With 25 plus years of experience in the field of marketing, Ruth really helps her customers creating strategies and addressing their talent as well as their customers' new needs and expectations. Ruth, you are the author of two books, Marketing in the Boardroom, Winning the Hearts and Minds of the Board, and most recently, Female Entrepreneurs, The Secrets of Their Success. You interviewed 52 female entrepreneurs of all ages and life stages, from 11 years old to 60 plus. And I would like to start this conversation by asking you, what was the idea behind that book? What made you started this journey? Thank you so much, Sophie. It's a pleasure to be interviewed by you today. So my co-author, John Smythe, decided to host an event at the Graduate Club in October 2017, where he invited all of the female entrepreneurs he knew to come and have dinner with him. And it was 26 in total. I was there. And at that dinner, somebody said to him, it'd be great to write this in a book, into a book to inspire women to take the entrepreneurial leap, as well as get companies, investors and governments to embrace the huge talent that women offer. And so he thought that would be a great idea. And he wrote up a summary of what that book might look like. And the publisher thought it'd be a great idea. And he kindly asked me to come on board with him. So in 2018, we interviewed 52 female entrepreneurs. And in 2019, we wrote the book, the themes around the book. And the book really talks around what's important to them. It reflects their views, not ours. And then it got published this year. Yeah, I was lucky to be interviewed in it. And I remember the journey. It's a great book. And there's a lot of insights into the female entrepreneur psyche and the challenges, but also the, the success that they are encountering in their enterprise. Today, I'd like to really focus on one specific area that was very interesting and concerning, but also a place for opportunities. And it's basically what older women, not only just women, but older women face in the workplace. And I know you have interviewed several women that have shared with you not only the disadvantages that older women face, but uh, really sometimes uh, true segregation. I call it the double whammy, being a part of the biggest minority, which is being a woman, but also being older in an age and an era where youth is a massive, massive, massive plus in the workplace. Would you like to tell us what they told you? Yeah, it, it was very interesting in that many of our 52 interviewees started a business to leave the corporate world. And that was either because they wanted to work in a more female-friendly environment, one where they could collaborate more, where they could share more, and where they could see themselves reaching a senior position as an older woman. 
but also because they wanted to create a more balanced life, particularly if they had children or they were looking after elderly relatives and so needed to be able to care whilst also doing their jobs. But this was often triggered by a specific event that happened. So we had people who were passed over for promotion or for bonuses when they were told that they were forming very well, but the men were getting promoted above them. We had people who were in male environments where the majority of their peers were women, but all the senior leaders were men. And so they couldn't see themselves being able to aspire to the top table. We saw people who had been out of the workplace for five, six, seven years, bringing up three young children. And when they tried to get back into the corporate world, they couldn't get back, often because they'd lost their networks or people kind of frowned at their five years of lost experience. And then also people who were pushed into second tier roles when they had their children because they couldn't travel as much. They couldn't work into the evenings. And so they were offered kind of second tier roles to be able to have their young children. And they went, I don't want that. I want to have a great career and I want to be able to bring up children. Therefore, I want to go and do my own thing. So we found all of these issues where women went, I don't want to be in the corporate world as it is. I'd rather start my own business and be able to have a workplace where I thrive as well as be able to care for my families. And that caused them to take the leap. Yeah. And there's a market as well. As a specialist of the consumer market, there's a market to address as well in that age group where it hasn't been touched. I'm thinking right now of a product that I'm using that is for my skin, and it's completely addressing an older group of women. And it's actually a product based out of the UK that was created by a woman entrepreneur of my age group. And she completely addressed that specific age group, and it's, it's an amazing success. And skincare companies had not touched that. We certainly saw a number of women who started their own business based on solving a problem for themselves, mm -hmm. finding it worked, and then marketing it to others. So we had a number of examples of that. But interestingly, recent data shows that startups that are created by 50 to 60-year-olds tend to be three times more successful than startups that are started by 25 to 30-year-olds. So that experience that older people have can be really useful in setting up something that's going to work in the real world and actually result in good commercial success. Absolutely. So talking about that, considering the way 2020 has, uh, has gone so far, I mean, this pandemic has been the cause of loss of jobs and in particular, women are amongst the groups that are the most in danger of losing their jobs or scaling down for, for multiple reasons. I believe that older women are even more likely to lose their job during that time. So why is that? What do you think? The pandemic is having a devastating effect on gender equality. It's reversing decades of progress for women, which is such a shame, so awful for us. Women aged 50 plus are really taking the brunt of it, with 100,000 of them already forced into retirement by corporates. And this is really for two reasons. They've got, as you said, the double whammy. There's a bias against women in the pandemic. Mothers are 47% more likely than fathers to have lost their jobs and 14% more likely to have been furloughed. And there's a bias against older people with 25% of workers aged 50 plus being furloughed. An estimated 377,000 of them are likely to lose their jobs. And so there's a double whammy going on with women aged 50 plus. Alongside that, women have taken the brunt of childcare at home. 
So 70% of women say they are completely or mostly responsible for homeschooling. And 45% say that they are 90 to 100% responsible for childcare. And that's double what it was pre-pandemic. And so you're getting more older women being at risk because women are overrepresented in the industries that have been hardest hit, namely retail, leisure and tourism. Corporates are concerned about future coronavirus waves as we're experiencing now, and therefore would more likely keep men than women because of women being at the forefront of the childcare. And then corporates are retiring older people early to reduce their workforces. I guess women over 50 are taking care of their parents often as well, on top of the children, because the parents are getting older. Exactly. The sandwich generation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. The last report of McKinsey on women in the workplace post-pandemic, I mean, not really post because we're in the midst of it, but is very telling about women in senior leadership position. They are really the ones that are at the biggest risk of of, uh, not necessarily being laid off, but scaling down because of burnout as well. So it's that age group of 50 to 60 that has already gained senior positions, but just cannot take it anymore because there's too much going on in their life. It's somehow acceptable for men to be senior, grey, older. They have gravitas. But there's this (laughs) research that shows that older women are seen as less confident, less relevant in the workforce. And so they are more under pressure from the age of 50 plus. And as we know, 50 plus is not old in the current world. So it's such a shame that governments are losing this talent and not pioneering it more for the good of society. I just celebrated my 50th birthday, so I feel really I feel really compelled <laughs> what you just said a week ago. So uh, I definitely don't feel like I, I need to be retiring anytime soon. Exactly. So let's talk about the corporate world before we talk about ourselves. But what do you think the corporate world and society should do to address this? I mean, this really, it's, it's like opportunity lost of such talent in a market as well, a consumer market that is completely untapped. What do you think the corporate world can do? So I think it's a real shame that in this day and age, society is not embracing older people because, as we all know, the retirement age is going up, we're living longer, and 50 is not old when the average age uh, that one dies is in, in your 80s. And so it's a shame that society hasn't yet addressed this kind of myth that 50 plus is old. It would be great if corporates were to embrace talent more, both females and older people and older females. And that's by making the workplace more female friendly, having more senior females, making it more collaborative, but also enabling women to be able to be more flexible around looking after elderly parents or children and for bosses in corporates to help women more come through and up the ladder. Similarly, it would be good if governments change the perception that 50 plus is old, really champion older people in society and really help women, particularly older women, work for longer. So to do that by challenging male-orientated ways of working, making it easier for women to work flexible hours, making it easier for women to go up through the organisation and sit at the top table, and making it easier for companies to tap into flexible workforces who can support them in a more flexible way. 
Don't you think that there's an aspect as well of shaping, reshaping culture and what we see in advertisement, in movies, what we read shapes our vision of things, right? And we don't, we exactly. don't, there's not much space for older women in any of the cultural uh, uh, elements that I just named. I totally agree, Sophie. And then also, I think it's good that people are talking about the menopause more because mm. there's a kind of perception that once a woman goes through the menopause, that's it, she's done. Whereas actually, women often come into their own after the menopause. They get a new lease of life, a desire to live their best years almost. And you find a lot of women starting up businesses in their 50s and even into their 60s, as we did in our book. And therefore, to talk about that more, to encourage women in their 50s and 60s to embark on their next career, I think is really important. Yeah, maybe we need more role models as well. Talking about that, tell me a little bit more about the type of businesses the women you interviewed embarked on and, and started. So we interviewed people who started a whole variety of businesses in many different industries, and some were one-person entrepreneurs, some built huge companies that they sold for tens of millions. So many of them were in financial services or in fintech. We had people in advertising and marketing. We had people who have created grocery brands, one person who's created a brand called Botanic Lab that is rivaling Coke. We had people launch vitamins, skincare products, a whole variety of things. I think for me, the most interesting thing is that we interviewed an 11-year-old who had been working as an actress and then as a film producer since she was four and is already helping people in their 20s produce films. And we interviewed somebody in their 60s who started their business post-retirement. And she had finished her career and loved baking and wanted to build a business where she was renowned for being a fabulous baker. And so she launched her business, which serves cakes and pastries and bread, etc., to people at fates, parties, all around Dorset. So huge kudos for people in terms of you can start a business at any age, any life stage. If you want to do it, do it. Definitely. It brings me to asking you, uh, because we talked about the corporate world, but we're responsible as well for the way we live, for the way we see ourselves and, and for the way we build our future. So what can we do as individuals to address this gap between ages, both in the corporate world and the enterprise world? So my view on this has changed since I wrote the book. I've always been a lean in there, as I think many of our entrepreneurs were. And so I always thought you have to work harder, better, longer to achieve equal status. But having done research on this book, I now understand more that women are quite heavily disadvantaged in the corporate world and the entrepreneurial world. And so society needs to lean out more to help women progress better. So in the investor world, for example, women get less than 1% of all investment capital because the majority of investors are men and men like to invest in ideas that they understand and in people that they can recognize, that they can relate to. Mm -hmm. And so they prefer to invest in, in male-orientated ideas created by male entrepreneurs. So it's shocking that women are that disadvantaged in the entrepreneurial world as well. So. For me, looking at the research, what I've seen is that firstly, women need to support other women more. We heard lots of stories of how female entrepreneurs felt that they had been supported more by senior men rather than senior women. And they quoted the Queen Bee syndrome of, of women who 
try and disassociate themselves from other women because they want to be seen as one of the men. Uh, they fear that if they're seen as a woman, they will be gender disadvantaged. And so they talk about themselves as more men and they hang out with the boys. And we mm. heard that coming through in spades in terms of women sometimes being quite nasty to other women. And so I think, first of all, women need to really support other women and senior females need to help other females come up through the, the ranks and get senior positions. And then secondly, the thing that I was really shocked at is that even in this age, women are still doing the majority of the housework. So a study showed pre-COVID that full-time working women do an average of 10 to 19 hours of housework a week in the UK and their partners average less than five hours a week. And that might seem, okay, that's fine. But what becomes apparent is that women can't then go out in the evenings networking. They can't spend yep. the evenings working on their venture as much. And so again, they're disadvantaged. And so I think men need to help women more as well, both within the workplace to pull them through, but also at home to enable the woman to be able to go out and build her business successfully. And then on top of that, society needs to help change the perceptions as we talked before, be it corporates, be it governments, be it investors. So I think there's a lot of work to do to help women come through, be more equally advantaged in both the corporate and entrepreneurial world and make it more of an even playing field for women. And I assume that for all the women, it's even more of a challenge when it comes to investment in particular and finding investors. I personally did a lot of investment roadshows in, in my past professional experience and for my business. And I can just imagine, I've never represented a business with a, an older woman as a CEO or founder, but I can just imagine how complex and difficult and challenging it would be to find investors because of what you just said, you're facing most of the time a certain type of investor and like any other human being, they like to recognize themselves in what they invest and in, understand what they invest in. Yeah. So this is a call for venture capital firms that are investing in different ways of thinking and into different age groups and obviously gender groups. There's already a, a few now firms that are specifically interested in female investments, but it would be interesting to see more and more age group represented as well within those firms. Absolutely. And we heard stories and read stories of female investors who went to investment event after investment event, and all they saw was a sea of men. And uh, there's one story of somebody who went to quite a large number of investor events before she was invested in, and that was the first one where she saw a woman in the sea. Yes. And so it is very tough for women when they're trying to pitch to a whole group of men who don't really understand their idea that well or don't see them as confident in a way that they would see a man. And so it does put them at a disadvantage. Did you in your interview experience or have any of the women interviewed talking about what they would have done differently when they were facing investors or if they would have done anything differently? I think certainly there was a lot of advice in the book that people couldn't get investment and ended up having to find ways to self-fund. I think 72% of female entrepreneurs self-fund. That could be crowdfunding or flipping credit cards or remortgaging the house. But those people who had self-funded said that they were now very pleased that they had because they were now reaping the rewards of that and didn't have to think about the investors at all. And so they're were pleased that they were forced to do it as such. 
So that, that's the first thing I'd say is that if you don't need to get investment, then the strong advice of our entrepreneurs was, was not to. If you look at the research on investment, so if you are trying to get investment, then the strong advice is to reframe questions that you're posed by investors into a positive slant. So invest, it's proven that investors tend to ask more negative questions to females. So what are you going to do when this business fails? What are you going to do when a competitor launches X? And they tend to ask male entrepreneurs more positive questions like how big could this be? How much could it grow? And so they recommend to females that when you're asked a negative question to reframe it into a positive question. So, for example, what are you going to do with this business fails to turn it around into I don't expect this business to fail. In fact, I could see it growing into a huge business that does X, Y, Z. So that was a huge piece of advice that comes out in the research in terms of how to position yourselves more successfully to investors. Very, very interesting. Well, thank you very much, Ruth. It was a really interesting conversation. And I wanted to know, how can our audience stay in contact with you? Because you're researching in and out loads of aspects of entrepreneurship. And I'm sure a lot of people will want to stay in contact with you. I would love that. So if anybody would like to be in contact with me, then you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on my website being on point. And I would be delighted if people contacted me. It's always great to hear from people. Thank you very much and have a great rest of the day. Thank you so much. <laughs>